0: Welcome to The Dreaming. I'm Joe Fulgham. I'm
1: Sasha Smolders. This is The Sandman, Issue 11,
0: Moving In. On our cover, as noted last issue, we have model Neil Jones, who is the now husband of the previous issue's cover model and the hand model for this one, Kathy Peters. hmm So I guess they're friends of uh, Dave McKean's Mm models for the cover for him. And what have we got there, you figure?
1: Well, we have someone kissing someone's hand. I don't know if that's supposed to be dream. Nobody kisses someone's hand in this this issue, so not sure. Uh, He also has hooks attached to him or them um, all over them. And then there's a butterfly Mm -hmm. and some
0: scissors. Yeah. Uh,
1: I don't know. None of it seems very...
0: I am not entirely sure what it is either. Yeah. But we've got this photo. It looks that, he, yeah, he's being held in place with hooks.
1: Uh-huh.
0: The butterfly, could that mean metamorphosis or change? I'm not sure. I Could this be kind of representative of Jed in the basement, I guess?
1: Oh, maybe. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe they'll all make sense when I get to the end of this series, this particular (laughs) set.
0: I don't know. I'm at the end. I don't think I get this one either. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) My summary for this issue is, Rose Walker rents a room in a house full of interesting people. We see Jed's dreams and reality, and Morpheus discovers what two of his missing dreams have been up to, and is not pleased.
1: So I was like, kind of right about my prediction? Yeah. Well, okay. So maybe I didn't make it super clear when I was saying it, but- to be totally honest in my prediction, I thought she was going to move in with her grandmother, mm-hmm. like her mom and her grandmother. So this is different, she's in Florida, not in England. But she does move in somewhere, so Yeah. You know. <laughs> and it is accurate to her dream um on the airplane.
0: Oh yeah, totally accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we're in this house and there's this big fat
1: British guy. Yeah. Once again, this issue begins with a house. Yeah. Have we been keeping track of how many issues have started with the house?
0: Oh, wow. No. That is something we could probably fairly easily count up, though. Our house counter? At some point. Yeah. We'll get a house counter in on that. Also, we do know who this is. This is Hal Carter. He introduces himself on the first page, but we later find out his uh, persona is Dolly. Mm Mm-hmm. And Hal, aka Dolly, is the landlord of the house. So you could say that this is Dolly's house.
1: It's a doll's house.
0: It's a doll's house. Yeah, it's perfect. There are a lot of doll's houses mm-hmm. in this set of stories. Well, that's good. This is the first appearance of Hal Carter. He's not a character who's shown up anywhere else.
1: It's a good name though, right? Like it sounds like Hal Carter sounds like...
0: John Carter, Warlord of Mars or yeah, Hal Jordan. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very very uh, important white guy name.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of two first names a little bit. Like Carter yeah. can be a first name. Yeah. Yeah, I like it.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's some kind of shared shared housing. It's a huge house. Big, big house. Yeah. In Florida. We get that. So what do you think of Florida on page two here?
1: hmm And we also meet the Stepford couple. Yeah, yeah. Barbie the Stepford yuppies, she calls them later on. Yeah. I like how they look completely identical in every single frame. I'm pretty sure in. it's
0: just a copy of the same art. It is. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the whole yeah.
1: point is that they're this creepy, smiling, unchanging yeah. thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're so white bread and they call themselves Canon Barbie. And they finish each other's sentences. Oh yeah, totally. They are disgustingly adorable. Uh, you know something terribly broken is going on there.
1: <laughs> oh no. I didn't even think <laughs> of that.
0: Really? I was just like, Oh look, it's like it's like mayonnaise on white bread. We don't mind, of course, but mom's very straight, not like us. Ha ha. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. And I also kind of like it's subtle, but it sure looks like Rose is is uh, experiencing jet lag here. Oh, yeah. She right? looks tired. Uh, sure. Sorry. I was miles away. And like every even here where she's kind of surprised by meeting them has a really good mix of well, this is kind of weird, but also I'm so tired I can't open my eyes up. Yeah. Which with how simple the art is, that's very impressive to me.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm and we meet two very interesting characters on this page as well we meet zelda mm-hmm. and chantal chantal
0: the spider sisters yeah chantal likes to state things directly it seems they don't just dress in white
1: like it looks like they're wearing wedding dresses and veils yes yeah that's intense like um... i know some people who who are very fashion interesting Mm -hmm. you know like i would say fashion forward but it's like they're they're past that Mm -hmm. you know they're trendsetters they do cool stuff but like matching wedding dresses and veils every day yeah that's that's a step past what i am used to interacting
0: with and it looks like there's a spider in one of the veils Oh, yeah. At least one of the veils. It looks like there's little bits and bobs throughout all of them, so that I think there might be multiple spiders in those veils.
1: Yeah. Well, I can see one spider. What well, it looks like at least one spider on the shot from behind, and then the ones that might be the same spider on mm. the shot from the side. But the rest of those is, it's a lace pattern. It's a leafy oh, okay. lace pattern is what I think they're trying to, the artist is trying to show. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: They possess the largest collection of stuffed spiders in private hands on the eastern seaboard.
1: How do you stuff a spider?
0: I don't know. Like, do
1: you need to? Can't you just keep it? Does it just, like, dry out? Do you stuff things that have exoskeletons? I could see plasticizing
0: them, right? You inject them with some kind of
1: hardening agent.
0: Wool. Did a quick little Google search, and I found a how-to. Okay. And it looks like it's wool that you stuff it with. They've got here, at this point, the spider still has all of its guts inside, which will slowly slowly start to ooze their way out as you replace their space with wool. While gross, this is the only way I've found to keep the abdomen shape until it can be filled. Your tiny stuffing open doesn't stay tiny for long, so be gentle. takes about two hours to stuff an abdomen of tarantula, Japanese huntsman size that they're doing here.
1: Wow, so they essentially just, they get the dead spider, they pin it to the board, and then they they cut a a hole in the abdomen or two holes, and then they slowly press wool into into the hole mm-hmm. to fill the, the body cavity.
0: Yeah, it looks like it. Let's see. That's super cool. Oh, let's talk about the recoloring. We haven't really done that yet. So we've been mostly reading from The Absolute Sandman mm-hmm. and started to notice because I've grabbed a few of my older collected trade paperbacks that a lot of the coloring is wildly different. Yeah. And couldn't tell if that was on purpose or if there was a misprint that was being corrected or something like that. If anybody does notice this, Neil think- has a couple of questions, Q&As up on his blog. This is from a 2006 blog post on Com uh, asking who's supervising the new coloring and, who, and who's doing the coloring. Danny Vazo did Sandman's 1 to 8, 17 and 18. Lee Lodridge is doing the Doll's House 9 to 16 and it's being supervised by Karen Berger. Uh, absolute editor scott and I'm back in, and neil and neil is signing off on every panel uh, were the new reproductions made from the original inks and art and neil says no most of that stuff was sold 17 years ago we got a few pages although the most useful thing was a cache we found in neil's attic of photocopies he was sent for proofing purposes and some of the artists had clean photocopies of some pages there are only a couple of pages now in sandman 16 where the black line leaves something to be desired They also asked, do you feel that the new coloring better represents your original vision? The artist's original vision, is it a matter of technology? And Neil says yes to all three. The original technology means that with every new printing on cleaner paper with sharper inks, it looks worse. There was never the time or the money to fix anything in the old days, and stuff simply went out as it was, sometimes to the detriment of the story. As things went on, we got to computerize the color, and the technology gradually made things better. Compare Preludes and Nocturnes to the Kindly Ones just from a standpoint of color, and you'll see what I mean. And we can do that once we get to that point. Uh, look at the original colors in that and even the original colors and the kindly ones had advanced so much Mm -hmm. because back when the Sandman started when you were doing colors you were you were cutting vinyl out in the shape of the color that you wanted in order to make these color plates up which meant that the way that you would have to do color would generally be big swaths of one color at a time. That's
1: what I've noticed looking back because what I've Since reading the Doll's House, I've been using your smaller trade paperback because it's the way that I sit when I record. It's easier to hold, yeah. and I did notice drastically that the quality and quantity of color shades mm-hmm. is greatly reduced when you're reading the older printings. They'll just use one flat shade, wherein the uh, in the Absolute Sandman they'll have multiple shades put in there and and shading and whatnot
0: yeah comicsalliance.com has a really good uh, before and after comparison of a bunch of this so we're just going to put a link up in the show notes to what they've got yeah so let's move on rose walker gets to see her new bedroom and they mentioned gilbert who's on the top floor
1: hmm. she has an ensuite bathroom
0: jealous oh yeah so she does that's nice nice that is a huge house it's a real big house and we don't really know that it's relevant when we first see this, but down in that bottom panel, you can see a raven outside the window.
1: I noticed it, and I was like, hmm. Ah,
0: okay. hmm They do talk about her brother Jed. Yeah, that she's uh,
1: she's in Florida to find her brother, and mm-hmm. she's playing detective for her mother and grandmother. And we find out that he's 12 years old, and she hasn't seen him for seven years. Yeah. Now, I was just assuming that Jed was older. Oh, okay. Yeah, so to find out that he's just a kid was just a, yeah, weird circumstance. I I very much in my head up to this point reading thought that he was her age or older than her. Oh,
0: I see. That would take away some of the urgency of not knowing where he was in that earlier issue. It was more like, well, oh, my brother's gone. We haven't it, seen him in a while.
1: It didn't feel that urgent yeah. in the other issue. You know what I mean, like because her mother like never mentions it. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem that urgent. It seemed like the kind of thing where you have a an adult son who loses, you know, who disappears, and maybe he had troubles or something. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why they don't talk about it.
0: Jed did feature prominently. We mentioned this before in the 1970 Sandman title, in the land of marvelous dreams. This page and all of the things like it that are taking place in this little, I guess, dream world that he's living in are very reminiscent. Like, well, reminiscent isn't even the word. These are an absolute allusion to the comic Little Nemo in Slumberland, which ran from 1905 to 1926. It was created by Windsor McKay. His full-page weekly strip depicted Nemo having fantastic dreams that were interrupted by his waking in the final panel, which is exactly what happens to Jed here, except his awakening is much harsher. Comicstriplibrary.org actually has a fantastic little cache of them, and they are this incredibly creative, beautifully designed, huge full-page, single-page strip Of these fantastical little adventures. And then at the end, he gets woken up by his parents shouting at him angrily or him falling out of bed or something like that. And it is wild. There's one here where he dreams that a Harlequin is taking him through a giant mushroom forest and they start falling apart. And yeah, all this great stuff. And it always ends with... Somebody shouting at him about making noise when you should be sleeping, or something like that. No. which is exactly what happens to Jed here.
1: Were these written for kids? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I think eh,
0: they're the kind of thing that were for kids, but adults would look at it and go, "Wow, these comics are great." Sure. Like like it it was a newspaper comic, but it ran full page.
1: What I mean, it's for kids, as in, like, would the content have been more PG? You know, like anybody can can watch something that's pg you just can't let kids like read something that's you know more adult
0: right Um, no no it was it's very much uh very relatively safe fantasy but it would get really scary okay and well it would feel that way and he would always think that things were going horribly wrong uh, in this one he kissed this princess and then all the people around him started chattering as though they were glass and he was running away from it because it was terrible beautiful queen crystalette and her be spangled and bejeweled retinue were now a heap of splinters and massive jagged fragments and he goes running away oh no 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 uh, papa oh papa help me I'm lost and then he wakes up in his bed and then his father says there's that boy again I wish you wouldn't let him eat turkey dressing at bedtime mama So it's these super little, kind of gets, they're fantastical and weird, and then kind of like Alice in Wonderland get a little creepy and scary, and then when they do, he gets scared and wakes up.
1: Oh, wow.
0: And... The waking up is usually him not like not being in a good place anyway, right? But at least it's not as bad as it was when he was in this dreamland where horrible things were going on or things was were going wrong for him.
1: Did they did they number the panels in those old? Yes, comics? they absolutely okay, did. Okay, because that's one thing I noticed specifically. All yep. of the all of the Jeb's dream comics are numbered, so they're easier to read. Say if you're a kid and you don't know how to read comics,
0: the Little Nemo in Slumberland. The numbers are all on the text underneath each panel so it's not identical to the, the way this works but yeah. it's absolutely with the especially that final panel eight shut up you little bastard it will give really give you something to scream about and him in almost the same pose as him falling and yeah. the that uh shut up being a response to help help i'm falling is totally how the little nemo things end and little nemo is in slumberland which is ruled by lord morpheus oh wow 1905 yeah
1: I also think, um, just from a first impression, we haven't seen a lot of uh, of Jeb outside of the his little dreams. Like, you only mm-hmm. catch little glimpses of him. Yeah. But I think he's much younger in
0: his dream world. He is, yeah. I would absolutely say that. He looks like
1: a five or six-year-old, maybe.
0: Probably the age at which he was eight. last happy or so, which would be shortly after Rose last saw him.
1: Or I mean, he lived with his grandfather for a while, and then Which, his grandfather died. Mm-hmm. So maybe around that time. So, so he like would have
0: six or seven, maybe a year or two. Well, yeah.
1: If we look at the timeline, the last time mm. she saw him, he was five, right? And then his grandfather died four years later.
0: Oh, okay. So that would be ten. So he'd be or nine or ten. Nine yeah. or ten. But yeah, he's somewhere around there. Definitely kind of regressing. Yeah, he doesn't look 12. And his adventures are all very childlike. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Panel five of that In the Land of Marvelous Dreams, in the Absolute Sandman and the printings after, he says, oh no, it is the spooky bird. Yeah. In the original printing, it was skooky bird. What does that mean? S-K-O-O-K-Y bird. Oh. Neil tweeted himself, no, skooky bird is correct. Someone, quote, fixed it in the absolutes.
1: Oh, it does say "skooky" in in the copy that right, I'm reading at right one. now. I'm reading, yeah, I'm reading the Doll's House trade paper- paperback.
0: Mm-hmm. But that was one that's from before the recoloring skooky? and yes, it is the re-editing. pre-recoloring. And it does one. say "skooky." The Absolute Sandman says "spooky," but that was a mistake.
1: What does "skooky" mean?
0: It's you know, it's just a oh no, a "skooky" bird. It's just a, a nonsense word to oh, to, okay. to t- so point out it's a special bird in this childlike fantasy. Land. Okay,
1: it's not a real word. Okay.
0: No, and I don't think there's actually a spooky bird from any kind of previous not any DC thing I could find. I kind of looked around for that. The only reference I can find is the references to this actual panel.
1: I thought this big white bird with the with the yellow beak looked a little bit
0: like the King Godbird from the first issue of Yeah, that the one, Doll's one House. certainly didn't fly though. It was a tall, giant-legged flightless bird. Sure. I mean, white, sure, but I mean, it was a
1: god bird. It could probably do what it wanted.
0: Also, look at Brute and Glob throwing it out in panel four. They're just oh, they in threw hands. the
1: bird out? I didn't even notice that. Hello, Jed.
0: Watch out for the skooky bird. Except Aha, in panel three. It is three, our skooky bird.
1: In panel three, the bird is just flying. I guess there's I two birds.
0: There's a bunch of birds.
1: And Okay.
0: And uh, in those 1970 Sandmans, Brute and Glob were kind of rascals who had to be in their little dream cages okay. but again they would apparently let them out all the time because they weren't really as bad as they seemed to be uh. like it really was this childlike kids comic apparently i haven't been able to track down any copies that i've been able to really get a, a read for myself but this is what everybody else is reporting
1: Well, our next page is definitely not as dreamy and, uh, and cheery as, as it, uh, he's locked in this basement. You can see it's an unfinished basement and there's a furnace going and all these pipes and things. And he, uh, he's very sad and he's, he's, he's peeing on the wall uh, and it's totally dark. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. The smell and yeah.
1: He's obviously been down there a long time
0: and then he escapes and he goes back to this little dream world mm-hmm. where he gets to hang out with the sandman. Yeah. And then Rose Walker is writing home. So we get another mention of the Adams family here. We played their theme song back in 24 hours.
1: Mhm. This oh, is a much nicer reference line. to the Adams family <laughs> yes, than exactly. in 24 hours. I'd
0: rather not remember 24 hours if mm-hmm. that's possible. She also mentions the Stepford Yuppies. That is a reference to The Stepford Wives, which is a novel and a film about a fictional town where the men have fawning, submissive, impossibly beautiful wives who all turn out to be robots. hmm And if you want another reference, there is a raven tack-tappa-tapping on your window. Tappa-tappa-tappa. Nevermore.
1: <laughs> yeah. And as she's writing, bam, the door slams open. And Mm -hmm. who comes in but Dolly, the first time we see her as Dolly. Yeah. And she is lamenting her director having taken her Sondheim tribute out of their drag show and putting in, uh, giving an extra number to Mitzi, who is apparently a slut who is sleeping with the director.
0: (laughs) Yeah, bursts into Rose's room. Mm-hmm. Bam, in a
1: beautiful pink cocktail dress. At least it's pink in the version I'm reading. Is it pink in yours? It's
0: blue in mine. Oh,
1: look at that. Yeah, there look you go. at
0: that. It is it's basically blue black. Like this is a black. This little, is uh, black th- dress. in
1: mine it's it's like a
0: pink. This is not black. Little, blackish it's long. color, yeah. So mm-hmm. there's Dolly and in the background the Cure, Boys Don't Cry, of course the band and the name of the uh single. But we've got a boy dressed as a girl, kind of crying. I just love her melodrama. Broadway Baby is from the Sondheim musical Follies. Bernadette Peters is actually famous for doing Broadway Baby. She has her own little way of performing it.
1: I'm just a broad... Sondheim, I'd say most people, even if you're not very familiar with Broadway musicals, would be familiar with Sweeney Todd. That's one of his. Mm-hmm. And Into the Woods is another Stephen Sondheim. The only Sondheim musical I've done myself was in high school. I did A Funny Thing Happened on the Late at the Forum. Mm-hmm. And for any of our listeners who might be fans of that, if you're wondering, I played Zootilus. Uh <laughs> the part that nathan lane played that was really fun yeah i'm a big fan of sondheim though i've also done uh send in the clowns from a little night music mm-hmm. i learned that uh, and did it at festivals when i was a teenager um <laughs> it's been so long i probably could not sing it anymore <laughs> i would not remember the words <laughs> But Stephen sondheim is definitely a fantastic musical writer
0: the research that I looked up, uh, apparently Follies is kind of hit or miss with critics. People They either mm-hmm. love it or they hate it. I yeah. I don't know much about it, but that's one thing I found.
1: I've never seen it. I'm not super familiar with it, but I mm-hmm. know a handful of the songs from it, from just having that's what it his songbooks. That's you know? what
0: it notes, that while the show itself is kind of hit or miss, several of the songs have become standard, and Broadway Baby is one of them. Yeah. And it seems to be part of Dolly's show. Mm-hmm. Over on the next page, we have the letter, keep going, and Rose mentions going to the Lighthouse on Dolphin Island. Just for fun, I decided to look for a Dolphin Island in Florida to see if I could locate where this might actually be taking place. Yeah. There is no Dolphin Island in Florida. Okay. But there is a Dauphin Island, which I don't know how they pronounce it in America because it's a French word. Maybe it's Dauphin Island, D-A-U-P-H-I-N Island in Alabama, Mm -hmm. which is right at the border Okay. of alabama and florida and it has a lighthouse nearby called sand island light which i'm now head canoning into being what she's referencing because it's this tiny little island that keeps getting tinier because apparently it is on the lighthouse digest doomsday list as what? one of the most endangered lighthouses in the country due to the erosion of the island itself
1: i am Surprised that list exists, and then also not surprised.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, lighthouses tend to get built on islands, and not all of those islands are going to stick around forever, especially with you know the the ocean rising.
1: And I'd never thought of it before, but absolutely, there is going to be quite a few people out there who are lighthouse enthusiasts mm-hmm. who pay attention to that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, that's cool. What a neat hobby. <laughs> Yeah. I just uh, like looking them up on the internet. Also like I'm going, it's important Meat. to have lighthouses because they
1: otherwise ships crash. So you should pay attention to them, I guess. I... Thank you people of the world who are paying attention to lighthouses. I think
0: GPS has mostly taken that over. But
1: yeah, it's nice it's to It's when your systems fail, right? When you're Absolutely. in a ship oh, yeah, and everything sure. fails and it's in the middle
0: of a storm that yeah. you need to have that light. Hey, we're back in the dreaming. Hello mm-hmm. Matthew, the raven has a name. Matthew. Yeah, the surveillance goes well, I presume. Okay, I'm going to tell everybody who Matthew is. Okay. Because this has happened in a previous comic. I will note that when I read The Sandman pretty much all the way through, I had no idea. This is not Matthew's first appearance in DC Comics at all. This is his first appearance, as far as I know, as a raven. Okay, But I haven't been able to find the exact comic where all of this went down. Formerly, Matthew Cable, or Matt Cable, from the comic The Swamp Thing, he was this uh, government agent friend of Alec Holland, who was the guy who became the first... Uh, In the comics, anyway, the first, they eventually wrote a history that happened before, but became the first Swamp Thing, like he fell into the swamp and the chemicals and stuff made him into this plant monster. At first, Matt Cable thought that the Swamp Thing had killed his friend, so he was hunting Swamp Thing. So the comic was really, this guy had sort of died and turned into Swamp Thing, and then his friend thought that Swamp Thing had killed that guy, so Mm -hmm. was trying to hunt him down, and it was this horrible mistaken identity thing. Uh, eventually, he finds out the truth, and they became allies. Okay. He ended up gaining the power to make dreams a reality. Ooh. Uh I haven't read these ones. I've, I've been able to find a few issues here and there where I could find some pages that have been scanned on the internet. But it seemed to only work when he was stressed or intoxicated. He was never exactly a really good person. Like, you know, he's a government agent, and he was kind of a badass. He cared about his friends and all that other stuff. He slides into alcoholism. And was apparently using his powers to create, like, these, these decaying forms to kind of stimulate his own desires. Like, he was basically getting drunk and, I guess, masturbating to what little bit of a human form he could create in front of himself with a, these powers he had. Sex golems. I guess, yeah. And he was married at the time to uh, Abigail, who is the, the love interest of Swamp Thing now. Cheating uh, with your sex golems. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on, but he's basically, he's nearly killed in a drunk driving accident. And while he's like hanging upside down, dying in the car crash, this villain comes to him named Arcane. And Arcane is trying to escape hell and offers him that he'll save his life. And he says, yeah, okay, whatever. Sure. Doesn't even kind of ask what the deal is. And Arcane then possesses his body and gains his godlike power and goes on this horrible horrible rampage like take kidnaps abigail tortures her horribly Hmm. and then actually kills her and then shows her off to swamp thing in the big showdown matthew is able to regain part control of his body arcane says if you stop me you'll go back to dying and he's like yep that's fine that's better than everybody else around me dying of course because he's not a villain so he kind of does this big heroic thing at the end and then they get rid of arcane and he's lying there dying swamp thing points out hey you could use your powers to heal yourself and he says i've only got enough to save one person and he heals abigail's body okay and then he starts to die but he doesn't have enough power to kind of bring her soul back from hell where arcane had sent it now long story short swamp thing in in his annual goes to hell with a bunch of people and gets it back so she okay. eventually comes back to life
1: she gets unwoman in refrigerator right
0: yeah exactly Matthew Cable is found and put on life support oh, until no. many, many years later in Swamp Thing, volume two, number 84, where it's found out by Abigail, who's back to visit him, that the hospital has been selling off his organs, like <sighs> like including his eyes. Oh, like no. Like she sees his body with no eyes. She's like, what? And while she's uncovering this, Morpheus comes to him and basically says, it's time to let go of this mortal life and let your wife move on. And uh, you can come work for me, I guess, he says. Yeah, and I duh. don't I don't know if he points out, uh, go ahead and you can be my raven like, uh, or anything like that because I haven't found the full comic. I've seen a few scanned pages. But apparently, just as she is about to put him out of his misery by pulling the plugs on all the machines, keeping him alive, he is able to wake up out of his dream and do it instead. Pulls the uh, plugs so that she doesn't have to kill him. And then he passes. And uh, when he passes... He goes to the dreaming and becomes this raven.
1: Okay, so, like, first of all,
0: Mm. why do you keep someone on life support for years? Yeah, I don't know. Because because you can't say goodbye, right? I think that's what, I think that's the message that Morpheus brought to him, which is. Especially,
1: like, does Abigail know something about the other side? Like, she went to hell and stuff. Yeah. So she has some knowledge that there are worlds beyond this one. Maybe
0: there's that hope, yeah.
1: No, but, like, why would you then keep someone's soul tethered to their body if you knew that their soul Uh, could maybe continue its journey like it's supposed to when you die? I I guess
0: in the selfish hope that he would come back to them. Oh, God! I don't know.
1: And then, like, and then okay and then obviously she doesn't visit that much because she would have noticed they were harvesting his organs <laughs> yeah i don't, yeah, so I don't like, know how often that
0: happened
1: so maybe in this world that he's just trapped in his body and he all he experiences is just being trapped in his body and now he's all by himself and then they start taking his organs away yeah. and then it gets worse like okay so she's traumatized enough by finding him having been harvested when she finally goes to visit him mm-hmm. that she's goes through all of that like emotional anguish of making the choice to pull the plug yeah and then horrifically he i haven't read this but i imagine he bursts <laughs> out of the bed with gaping holes for eyes and pulls his yeah. own cords in front of her and right. she sees him moving and that seems even more traumatizing than her just pulling the plug
0: yeah, uh, well, yeah, I don't know. She's used to a lot of horror because Swamp Thing is basically a comic full of horrible, terrible things happening all the time. This is just unnecessarily horrible. Uh, uh Yeah, but at least it's a horrible big change that she could hopefully get over. That's the point, I suppose. <gasps> I don't want to start trying to put... Listen, when Arcane came to Matt Cable dying in that car, he was a fly.
1: Okay. His little fly
0: lands and goes, hey, I can save you. And Matt Cable's like, okay, sure. And, like, there's no explanation of what the fly is. There's no explanation of how Arcane got into the fly, as Mm. far as I can tell, or how he has this power, or how he has the power to then take over that body. Oh, that's another thing. Remember, he tormented Abigail while wearing Matt Cable's body. Yeah. Like, and I don't even want to go into what happened. It's bad. He ended up killing her. It's bad. Oh, there was a great scene. I actually found the, the bit where he presents the body to Swamp Thing and the Swamp Thing's like, you killed her? And he's like, ha-ha, yes. And then he goes, no, actually I didn't. That's just a simulacrum that I created using my powers because I can do that now. Ha-ha, she's actually alive and you're gonna have to come save her. And Swamp Thing's like, what? And he's like, ha-ha, no, I was just kidding about that too. She's actually dead. <laughs> what a dick. Like, it's this total horrible double-cross, like, he's evil, terrible, <sighs> terrible. And, and like, all that horrible stuff happened to a guy wearing her husband's body, right? <sighs> So anyway, here he is as a raven, like not exactly a good guy, tons of faults, uh, kind of a badass, and now he's just being asked to like be a bird and watch people Yeah, just be a
1: bird and snoop
0: on this young woman. Yeah. Just spy on her through her bedroom window. For me, the lord of dreams. And remember, uh, later he sends her back to Eve's cave. He says, go back to Eve's cave until Mm -hmm. I need you. Early on, Eve has a raven with her. Yeah. So, but Matthew's new. Mm-hmm. So there was a raven, and now there's a new raven. What happened to the old one?
1: I like how Dream says, just keep watching her. You're my eyes, Matthew. And Matthew says, "Um, sometimes I can feel you in there <laughs> in the back of my head. It's really going to take me a long time to get used to all this. Yeah.
0: I love it. He's Matthew is a character who gets to get stuff explained to him so that we can get it explained. Yeah. Right? Because Lucian, who's a great character, would never say, oh, what are you doing by the shore, my lord? No. So that he can say, I'm making new nightmares.
1: Yeah, he's making new nightmares. One of them is pretty horrifying. It's just a, a head that seems to be all drippy and have a hole blown right. in it. And then there's little nuggets of brain in the bottom, I yeah. think. Yeah.
0: I wonder if that's their final form or if he hasn't made their face yet. I don't know, but it's gross. Mm-hmm. Very gross. I think you're, if you're looking for nightmare, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Mm-hmm.
1: So next up, we have the woman walking at night. Uh, this is Rose. She's yeah. leaving. Ooh, we find out Dolly's stage name here. Dolly L'Amour. Dolly L'Amour in Drag Review. She's been in the town for five days, and she's learned more about Jed. He was living with relatives uh, when the grandfather died. So the grandfather died four years ago. Um, So he was 10. No, he was 8. Math is hard. <laughs> he was 8 when the grandfather died. Mm-hmm. And so now he's living, apparently, with some relatives... Who is on her father's side of the family, who mm-hmm. she calls uh, the skunk, her father, her late father, the skunk. <laughs> and she's walking through the town uh, around midnight when the show is over.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and she's she singing.
1: Great, she's singing, yeah.
0: She's singing, Oh, You Beautiful Doll, You Great Big Beautiful Doll. That is a ragtime song from 1911. It's been performed many, many times. Mm-hmm. Here is a fairly original version of it. Oh, yeah. God you three big people all on this land me put my arms about you I could never live without you So is that I also have a rosemary cologne cover oh yeah my arms about you i could never live without you oh i need to bookmark that for a burlesque number okay yeah well, that's good mm-hmm. <laughs> and presumably that was in the show she just saw yeah like this really feels like leaving one of your shows does it yeah except for the neo-nazi skinheads in the alley.
1: yeah we we don't, they don't tend to wear their swastikas on their jackets here, the uh, white supremacists in our neighborhood. Yeah, that's true. They try to be a little more subtle about it. They tend to just mostly write that stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she's leaving the show, walking through an alleyway, uh, thinking she's taking a shortcut. And suddenly she gets cornered by a bunch of gross dudes who are gross. It's almost um, cheesy, like super cheesy there their scary alley talk. Hey kitty kitty, you out after your bedtime? Here kitty kitty, pretty kitty, wanna play with us, kitty kitty. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it feels like it's out of a movie, you know?
0: Yeah, or out of a Frank Miller comic. Yeah, he seems to be his generically bad bad guys. Yeah,
1: yeah. She's Not, got her. She's got her fists. She she pulls a fist to fight. Yeah. Thumbs on the outside of the fist, so mm-hmm. that's going to be a good punch and fist. I can tell. That's the only thing I know about fighting. Yeah, don't she put doesn't thumb look on the there.
0: As much as she's in trouble because she doesn't have knives, I like aside from the knives, like I would think she'd put up a pretty good fight there. But she's horribly. I mean, she's outnumbered. very outnumbered. Yeah,
1: she's gonna scrap with them before they. Uh, before they can stab her. Yeah. And of course, she doesn't end up fighting them because a shadowy figure appears at the mouth of the alleyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, it would seem to me that the young lady desires to retain both her purse and honor. You'll excuse me if I intrude. And that makes the Nazis go, ah, oh, shit. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, kill that guy too. Him, and they run towards yeah, I know, run towards him. I mean, this part bit doesn't make any sense to me.
1: And then he beats him with his cane. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And he offers to let her kick them. Yeah. And she's like, Nah, it's my good shoes.
0: Yeah, these are nice shoes. And she realizes this is Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Gilbert bears a remarkable similarity to author G.K. Chesterton. Oh who is one of Neil's favorite authors. He lived from 1874 till 1936. He was an English writer, poet, philosopher, dramatist, journalist, orator, lay theologian, biographer, and literary and art critic. A Renaissance man. Uh, According to Wikipedia, he's often referred to as the Prince of Paradox. Okay. Do you have pictures of him? Uh, He's well known for his fictional priest detective, Father Brown, who you may have heard of.
1: Hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, that is exactly him.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, wait, wait. This is exactly him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, there's a cartoon of him from the back with his sword stick. Yes, he would wear a big rumpled hat and carry <laughs> a sword stick with him. I like his mustache. <laughs> Do you? big and walrusy?
1: <laughs> he offers to walk her home.
0: It's fun in a camp sort of way. They all sing Hello, Dolly when he first comes on stage.
1: And that's them talking about, yeah, uh, about the drag the show, which place, uh, they keep going. which he's never seen. And he refers to uh, Hal as as... Our esteemed landlord, thesp- landlord's thespian endeavor—that's mm-hmm. what he calls his drag work.
0: Yeah, he's not had the pleasure. Yeah, look, that looks like a good way to start a friendship. Yeah, get saved from being jumped in an alley.
1: We are instantly transported into Jed's dream world again.
0: Yeah, the land of marvelous dreams. The land of marvelous dreams. And there's uh, Brute and Glob. Oh, go on, let us out. We, we will be good in this very brightly colored cage. Yes. <laughs> it's all kid stuff, right? Like it, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's at all real. Like it's just, how can this possibly be a thing that's happening? Yeah. Yeah. And when, then
1: there's a, a little biodome.
0: And the woman with the Sandman there, we haven't talked about him much. I'm going to wait a little later, but that, okay. that is his wife and she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about them in the next issue. I've already talked about them in a few other uh, episodes.
1: Mm. I like this biodome full of weird pink, uh, hamster things right Uh, the verbal gerbils
0: the verbal gerbils yeah i wonder what do these buttons do and then they
1: just start multiplying
0: oh you are so cute you must play with me
1: like tribbles
0: (laughs) i guess yeah
1: but they're not hairy they're pink
0: uh well they might be pink and hairy but yeah they might also be fleshy
1: i think they're pink because they're supposed to be fleshy
0: okay sure but then we find out he's actually being bitten by a rat
1: oh (laughs) lovely hello little rat <laughs>
0: <sighs> yeah yeah on the face too yeah again a horrible little nemo in slumberland awakening at the end there Mm-hmm. so we're back at the house dolly's house and they're just waiting for the pis to call which they do in this scene but when that happens matthew is able to steal a photo of jed and in this scene, he's teaching her some dance moves. Yeah, yeah. To, again, the song, Oh, You Beautiful Doll. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's, uh, well, I'm just waiting for the PIs I've hired to give me something to do. So teach me how to dance.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, on a hot Florida day, I can imagine the attic is pretty much the worst place to dance. It would be so hot.
0: In Florida? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs>
0: <sighs> yeah.
1: Then again, look at how Gilbert is dressed in Florida on a hot, hot day.
0: Yeah, that is uh, that's a little hard to believe. It's a three-piece suit. Yeah. And he is probably already warm. Yes. Yes. I really like the shot of Matthew flying yeah. at the bottom there. Well, it looks like a, a, stri- a film strip. Yeah. And yeah, he says, uh, thanks. I must return to the center of dreaming. This is Morpheus again. Then wait in Eve's cave, Matthew. I shall call if I have need of you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Dream says, each human is connected to the dreaming. They spend a third of their lives in this realm. To break the connection would take power and knowledge. Mm-hmm. So he thinks it's either Fiddler's Green, Brute and Glob, or the Corinthian that might have done this.
1: So that means that Jed is like actually disconnected fully from the dream world. He his-
0: this little dream world he's got is not... It's, Sandman's stream yeah, world. That's not, why he couldn't find him.
1: Which I think is possibly why it's also more simplistic and childlike and repetitive than the right? Sandman stream world would exactly. be. Exactly. I do want to flip back a page though, and. Mm. Uh, examine this adorable little back and forth between Hal and Gilbert, um, where after Gilbert tells them (laughs) that there's a phone call for Rose, it's Hal and Gilbert alone in the room, and Hal says, well, what's the news then? And Gilbert says, am I to infer sir, that you are presuming that I might actually have inquired as to the nature of someone else's phone call? And Hal goes, Gilbert, Gilbert. Hmm. hmm." Well, I believe the call, and he tells him that it's the P.I., Uh, so obviously, and he's got a little smile on his face. It's so cute.
0: I like it. I like this pairing. Ah, good. Well, I'm glad, because uh, as you see at the end, Gilbert's sticking around. Mm Mm-hmm. So after Morpheus realizes he's got to find the boy somewhere and figure out who's responsible, we get a little shot of the Yellowhammer Motel in Birmingham, Alabama, as seen from, again, the Corinthians' point of view.
1: I don't like this, Corinthian.
0: (laughs) Yellowhammer is actually the state bird of Alabama, and one of the state's nicknames is the Yellowhammer state. He's talking on the phone to Nimrod. Nimrod is the name of a biblical mighty hunter.
1: Now, it sounds like... Nimrod used to be a, a good term, and then it eventually <laughs> yeah. became a derogatory term.
0: Bugs Bunny called Elmer Fudd one in a Looney Tunes cartoon, and it took on a new meaning, a moron or klutz. Huh.
1: Whereas what what was the actual definition before?
0: Nimrod was a great hunter. It's a reference to the biblical son of Cush, referred to in Genesis as a mighty hunter before the Lord. Son of Cush, the one who is most dank. <laughs>
1: Son of Kush, (laughs) yes. It is
0: with a C, though, but yeah. Okay. (laughs) Although those words are probably from the same place anyway, Uh because Kush is Afghani. We're talking also about, uh, you know, the cradle of civilization, so that would be that area as well.
1: It's from the cradle of life, man. It's
0: probably totally, it's all connected, man.
1: It's all connected, man.
0: So the Yellow Hammer Motel, (laughs) the Corinthian. And I mentioned that the use of Corinthian probably means a man in the search of pleasure. Yeah. That actually comes from the ancient Greek city state of Corinth. And in classical times, Corinth was notorious for its luxury and licentiousness among the Greek mm. states. Yeah. And we learned quite a bit more about the Corinthian here. There's some kind of get together of fellow collectors, yeah, people who share our specialized interests, he says. As the sound effects make it seem like he's eating eyeballs.
1: Oh, I didn't even think of shump, that.
0: Trump, right?
1: No. Except
0: he's talking at the same time.
1: Oh, no. What do you
0: Well, there's four eyeballs at the beginning and there's only two at the end. You're
1: totally right.
0: And he's making shump shump chomp, chomp noises.
1: His mouth, eyes. Yes. Oh no.
0: Yeah, and the Corinthian, who we of course know is a nightmare. I don't need to write it down. I don't forget things. Shoot, Ugh. that's great.
1: Have you ever handled an eyeball?
0: Uh, a goat's eyeball in biology class. Yeah, yeah me Cut too. it open. Yeah, it's could you gross.
1: imagine someone? Biting into one. Oh, gross. It'd be terrible. Also, though, I have to point out, mm. one thing I've noticed, whenever comic artists draw eyeballs mm-hmm. that are like severed eyeballs, not just glass ones, these are real severed eyeballs, mm-hmm. they never show you the stem, the eye stem on the back. Yeah. And I just feel like it takes me out, or like the glob of the globs of fat that collect around the back of the well, eyeball.
0: I think the Corinthian is pretty good at what he does. Oh, you think he removed to, them and he he's cleaned? He's probably them. really good at carving away those bits he doesn't want.
1: Oh, like he popped them out and then he carved the ball, like the eyeball itself. It's just that it's a very well, connected. He's system. a
0: collector. Yeah. Right. He's, it
1: was just one of the things I noticed when, when I dissected an eye for the first time, is I expected it to be a sphere and instead Mm -hmm. it's it's a also maybe a goat's eye is not exactly the same as a human eye. Fair. But it had all this like fat at the back of it and Mm -hmm. stuff and it was it was real gross.
0: And again, both of his victims Uh have been young boys, it seems.
1: Yeah. Also apparently he's part of the American dream.
0: Yeah, that, I I know America like the back of my hand. I'm part of the American dream. Mm-hmm. He's pretty full of himself. Yeah. Although, I don't know. It and feels our- like America created spree killers at the same time, doesn't it? I mean, Jack the Ripper was English, sure, but America took that ball and ran with it.
1: Yeah, um, what is his name? The guy who had the murder house. Uh, Humphrey Holmes or something Holmes? Uh, uh- he was operating at the same H. time. H.H. Holmes. H.H. Holmes was operating at the same time as the Ripper, as Jack the Ripper. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. And his actual body count might be up to 200. He only oh, confessed yeah. to 27 murders. Oh, yeah. 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 Jack the Ripper just has a really good publicist. Mm-hmm. The Corinthian, however, looks like we've already seen three, right?
1: What also disturbs me so much is mm. that all of uh, all of his, his scenes are like, from his perspective mm-hmm. and we don't we haven't seen that so much in sandman like a a bird's eye view or whatever a character yeah, eye yeah, view. first person point of view yeah also apparently he fills up with the two eyeballs and he leaves two well
0: behind. it seems maybe he prefers the blue ones because there's two are blue and two are brown <laughs> and he only eats the blue ones oh. leaves the brown ones i'm not sure well at least he won't eat my eyes then i have brown eyes oh damn it's safe Well, let's move on from the (laughs) Corinthian and these two boys who are tied up, which means they were probably alive for quite a lot of this, right? Like the last one, let's play.
1: They look very expertly
0: tied too. Mm -hmm. Corinthian knows what he's doing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So Rose is off on a road trip. She's rented a wreck. Rent a wreck is a cheap car rental service. In case anybody doesn't get that reference,
1: is that like a euphemism, or was it an actual? There's actually a
0: company called Rent a Wreck. It's like a tongue-in-cheek. Haha. We (laughs) we have cheap cars, so we cut your costs because we we they're not really wrecks, right? No, it's just
1: funny. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine a company doing that
0: today. They still exist. What? As a matter of fact, there is a rent-a-wreck out of Prince George. that started up in 1976. We used to get rent-a-wreck commercials here in Canada all the time. That what? I remember. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah. Oh. Huh. So as she's about to leave, someone meets her at the car.
0: Yeah. Gilbert basically says, I'm coming along and does this uh, excellent little speech. I intend to accompany you on your travels, Miss Walker. I believe America is a very large and excitable place, and a young woman traveling alone could get into all sorts of scrapes. Witness the other night. I am here in my role as an amateur knight errant. I've brought my sword stick and an ancient but serviceable revolver. Shall we be off?
1: Oh, no. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. No way.
0: Smash cut to them driving in the car. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Just talking. He's apparently out on a farm with some relatives. I love that.
1: Oh, wow. Ah, my late father's cousin, Cla- Clarice, and her husband. And they're on a little farm in upstate Georgia. Mm-hmm. And the only reason they she knows is that they've been collecting uh, welfare money or whatever you would call it. Um,
0: $800 a month for him from the state, yeah. Yeah. So at least they'll be taking good care of him.
1: Child welfare money, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at least they're taking good care of him. A shot of him tied up in the basement.
0: Mm-hmm. And just as she finds out where he is, Morpheus finds out where he is. Yeah. And he is not happy. We also see a little shot of him using the Sandman's whistle, which he has (laughs) in the 1970s. Uh, Will, stop your evil scheme, Dr. Lobster. Curses and double curses. (laughs) Uh, I can't find a Dr. Lobster in any kind of DC (laughs) comic, so I think that was just a creation. Although my feeling about these days, Dr. Lobster would be Zoidberg.
1: Curses and double curses is my new favorite thing to say.
0: Oh, curses and double curses. Yeah. On to Morpheus getting mad. Brute and glob, brute strength and base cunning. This has their stink about it, Lucian. How dare they? They severed this child from the true dreaming. They are living in his mind, Lucian. They know the law, my law, and they have wantonly defied it. Did they think they could hide from me? I do not know what game they are playing, but I know this. I am angry, Lucian. And it's my move.
1: It's a montage oh. of him suiting up. That's right. And dun, like he dun, suits dun. up hard. Dun, dun, dun. He And he like poses in his little archway. Dun, dun, goth. Very, oh, so goth flaming coat. <laughs> his helmet in this shot looks like <laughs> the alien. Looks like the xenomorph from the Alien series. Mm-hmm. And he already has Sigourney Weaver hair. So it's just completing all of that in my mind and oh it's so good it's mm-hmm. so good and also call back to the issue the sound of her wings mm-hmm. where he's upset because he doesn't feel anything anymore and since that episode we haven't really seen him feel anything right yeah. like like he he's felt maybe contentment at taking back his his kingdom but otherwise, you know, he was upset that he wasn't upset, you know? Yeah. And so now he's angry for the first time in the timeline since then.
0: You can kind of imagine that he's angry, but he's also like, yeah, <laughs> something to be excited about. Yeah. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Okay. To be continued. The next issue is called Playing House.
1: Playing House.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Predictions. Mm,
1: plain house. I think that Rose and Gilbert are going to arrive at the distinct cousins relatives place mm-hmm. and they're going to essentially have to play along with them and be cordial to try to find out what's happening and I think that there's going to be very much like a sort of deception going on. And maybe even um, the Sandman will appear and also try to hide his identity from Rose or something.
0: Ooh, you think he's going to sneak? He's going to like... Pretend to
1: be human or something. I don't can't imagine him pretending to be human, but I...
0: That would fit the playing part. Playing yeah, some house. kind of
1: deception of that way. People are going to be, people, even though they know something else is going on, are going to be acting a different way. And it and it's going to involve her going to the house in Georgia, okay. the, the relative's house.
0: All right. Yeah. We'll have to see that next issue. Next issue. You've been Dreaming of the Sandman, issue 11, Moving In. For show notes, visit thedreaming.motivedust.com support future episodes at patreon.com slash the dreaming like us on facebook rate and review us on your favorite podcast app including google play music and itunes our theme music is onerai by kai Engel. hear more at kaiangel.bandcamp.com. the dreaming was recorded in burnaby british columbia canada on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, squamish kikate and slaywatooth nations i'm jill Foljam. thanks for listening time to wake up